everyone. Really good to see you guys here today. Really glad you guys decided to spend some time with us here at Church in the Valley. I just uh, realized that I forgot to put a name tag on. So in case none of you know me, my name is Jeep Underwood. And uh, no relation to Colton Underwood and no relation to Carrie Underwood, but uh, I'm, I'm anonymous. Um, now this morning, you know, this morning, if, it, if this were yesterday, I could say, may the fourth be with you. Um, in fact, um, my daughter and some of her friends went to Disneyland yesterday so they could go experience May the 4th with the people who bought Star Wars and, uh, are about, and are about ready to make a whole lot more money uh, off of Star Wars because, uh, as I said a few weeks ago, at the end of this month is when Star Wars, the whole Star Wars part opens up and people can enjoy longer lines and really, I guess, uh, have a good time. So... But, you know, something something significant happened in the Star Wars universe here a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, and the new trailer came out for uh, the Episode 9. Now, I was 10 years old when the first one came out, which was Episode 4, which is very confusing. But, um, you know, I, I've been immersed in the Star Wars culture. I've just I've just really enjoyed Star Wars my whole life. But uh, this, this trailer comes out, and there's a couple of reveals in there that have been kind of rocking people's socks. One is, the name of it is The Rise of Skywalker. I'm like, whoa, what does that mean? And then, uh, then there's, at the very end, you know, Luke is, Luke is doing the narration and he says, no one is ever really gone. And then you hear the Emperor from the first trilogy laughing. And so, man, the, like within like five minutes, people are posting videos onto YouTube. What does this mean? And, uh, you know, people all over, it's kind of exploded actually, just trying to figure out like what in the world's going on with this. So they look at, you look at the rise of Skywalker, and there's there's people that are, uh, they're like, you know, does that mean that Rey is a Skywalker, even though Kylo said she wasn't? And then, then it's like, you know, will Kylo be redeemed and actually be like Darth Vader? Well, is that what it means? And then, is Luke coming back? Maybe Luke's coming back. And some people are going, I don't know. I hated that last one so much. I don't know if anything could be good. <laughs> and then, there's some people they look at this thing with with uh, with the Emperor from the first trilogy. You know, didn't Darth Vader kill him? And then it's like, how did he survive? The, is he going to be a force ghost or something else? And then, the, wait a minute, then who's Snoke? And so, like, well, then what's he all about? And why did he die so quick? And so people are trying to, like, they're trying to figure all this out. They're, uh, what they're doing, a lot of people, they're just scouring all the other movies. And they're trying to figure out any clues. And I won't, I won't go through a lot of those, but, you know, it's like, you know, did... Is Darth Vader's mask a part of this? And then there's just all kinds of little theories going on. And uh, a whole lot, like I said, a lot of YouTube videos. In fact, if you want to spend all day today looking at theories, you could do that because people have lots of opinions on this. Now, <clears throat> in December, we're all going to find out. And in January, we'll all be criticizing it to pieces. So, um, <laughs> But, you know, that... That, you know, that's just, that's just a huge dynamic going on right now in our, in our culture. And what's really incredible though is just how much mental energy and thinking that people are putting into that. Just a lot of mental energy and thinking they're putting into that. And it's actually, it's a really good illustration of what the word meditation means in the scripture. When you look at the word meditation in the scripture, it's a, it's a really good picture of what it is they're doing. In fact, what they're doing is they're taking in some new information. The trailers come out. They're taking in some new information and they're comparing it to facts that they already know to be true in the Star Wars universe. And they're trying to figure out how it all fits together. And 
the amazing thing is that no one's making them do this. You know, there's no one going, you're fired if you don't do you know, Just This is just a pure desire-driven thing. It's just they're taking real pleasure and just trying to figure this out. And I, and I kind of get it because I'm, I'm a Star Wars guy from way back. But ultimately, you know, in December, it'll come and go. And ultimately, it doesn't really affect our lives all that much, even though it's a lot of fun. Well, life, life really is an experience of being convinced of things are true over time. In fact, what really does affect us is our framework of what we're convinced is true about how life really works. That's something that really does, that's something that really does affect us is, is that framework of what we're convinced is true about how life really works. <clears throat> and, you know, as we live our life, we're constantly taking in information. And in the media, just in our culture, we just, we have this steady flow of all kinds of input into our lives. And that's definitely true with marketing. There's just a lot of marketing. You know, go back to Star Wars. You know, they're going to make so much money off of this. And, but there's just a lot of marketing that comes at us. Now, some of my favorite commercials in the world are Geico commercials. They're just, they're just so fun. They just make a lot of fun with those. But if I were to ask you guys right now, what's the tagline for Geico insurance? I'm guessing a lot of people would know that. Anybody know that? Anybody venture a? There it is. You know, if uh, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. We all know that. I mean, we know that. You can't shake that. And so what I want to do is uh, we all have, I'm sure, our favorite commercials. I'm going to show you a couple of my favorites. And uh, we'll watch this real quick, and then I'll come back. Could switching to Geico really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Was Abe Lincoln honest? Could you just make my bad friend look big? could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Huh. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Everybody knows that. Well, did you know that game show hosts should only host game shows? Samantha, do you take Kevin as your lawfully wedded husband? Or would you rather have a new car? Convertible L and say goodbye to Samantha. <laughs> Geico. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. That'd be a personal fear of mine that Kate would have a choice like that at the altar. <laughs> she would be driving a lot more in style, I'm sure. But uh, you know why? That's a lot of fun. But why? Why does Geico spend millions and millions of dollars on those commercials? Well. I think it's because they know something, and that is they know that what we repeatedly see and hear really affects what we believe and do. They know that what we repeatedly see and hear affects what we believe and do. Uh, that's, that's really, that's why, that's how marketing works. And the things that we really dwell our minds on over time, it really does shape who we are and what we believe to be true. Now, somehow, I just feel like Geico has cheap insurance. I have no basis of fact on that at all. I just, I just have this feeling that Geico has low cost insurance. And if I ever did change my insurance company, I'd probably get a quote for them. And so, but what's interesting is in all the years they've never changed their 15%. It's like, it never fluctuates. I, I mean, surely one year it wasn't. I mean, 
so it's like, is this a really a truth-based fact? And then, then uh, I looked up online just for an insurance guru, and here's some advice they would give you, and that is, don't buy insurance based on TV commercials. Hmm? That's good. That's good advice. He said, you know, get five quotes and and then deal with uh, decide based on facts on your situation. I thought and that's really good advice, but somehow it just feels like Geico's the way to go. Now, you know, we're immersed. We're immersed in the media. Just in that's just that's that's just the way life is these days. Is we're immersed in the media, and we if we don't if we don't think about what we're taking in and really evaluate the things that are coming in, then our framework of what we think is true is heavily influenced by just what we're taking in. So, you know, you might, uh, our framework can be a little bit, you know, you can you could easily get into a framework where it's a little bit of like how you were raised, what mom and dad said, uh, maybe a little bit of Batman, a little bit of Iron Man, a little bit of Inception thrown in there. And then, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a college professor that you really re- you respected and what they thought. And maybe some of your friends and what they think. There's just there's things that kind of shape the way you view reality and and, uh, and really the framework of truth that you think is really going on. And we all have to live our lives day to day. We have to live our day to day lives in light of something. And so we're making decisions all the time. And what we believe to be true has a huge impact on the decisions that we make. I want to look at a verse this morning. Uh, it's a verse that's all about our framework, the frameworks behind this. It's in Psalm 119.105. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, when this was written, uh, they didn't have like major, you know, thousand candle power light bulbs. You could just like shine it into the future. They had these these lamps that would put off just enough light where you could take the next step. You knew where the next step was going to be. And that's really the picture that he has there. And really the framework of truth that we have, it provides enough light for that next step of the things we're really facing in life. So, but how do you connect to that guidance, like in our real lives? I want to look at uh, Psalm 1. Psalm 1 paints a picture of someone who, who does just that. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Um, Could you go to the next slide? He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. You know, really, it paints a picture of someone who just has a flourishing life. And that person, they don't, they don't determine their course of action by the people around them that are without God. Like, just looking at what they're doing and what they're saying, that's not the frame for them. Is instead, it says they, he, they delight in God's Word. It's kind of like the people that are trying to figure out Star Wars. You know, they just, they just have this delight, this, this desire to figure out how all this fits into the Star Wars universe. When really that's the same thing with us as we can, we delight and see how this truth actually fits into the way the world really works and how God really has wired things. And, you know, it says he delights in it. It's kind of like, you know, he loves it. He loves the word of God. He can't keep his mind off of it. Um, he thinks it's beautiful, wise. It's an incredible gift of God's mercy and grace. You know, I never really understood the word delight until I was getting married. There was no game show host, by the way, but, but I was getting married and I remember 
watching Kate walk down the aisle. And my heart did something I've never had my heart do before. I didn't even know I was going to do it then. But there, that's, I never understood what delight was until that moment. And that's, you know, someone who really their life flourishes under God is someone who just delights in God's word. Now, and that delight in God's word, what it does is it drives a desire to meditate on it, to really, to really think about it. So meditate, it's really just taking in God's word. It's listening to it and thinking about what it means and then how it applies to your life and how it fits into the framework of everything else, uh, in the world and how God really runs it. And then as we put into practice the things that we're learning, then what happens is our lives begin to flourish like Psalm 1 says. Um, it's kind of a cycle. Like you, you desire God's word enough to really learn and meditate. And then you think about what it means and you put it into practice. You see how things turn out and you become more convinced that that's really the way it works. And then you begin to delight in his word more because it's so helpful. And it's just, it's like the way things really work. And so you, this delight in God is something that compounds over time as you just really enter in and start connecting with him. And then over time, we develop a framework about what we think is true in life that really is true in life. It really is the way the world really works. And it's really, and like I said before, it's really that framework that puts more and more light on the path that's right in front of you. So as you're trying to decide what to do in any given situation or what it is that's coming to you, it gives you that some light to make that choice and that decision, you're able to make better decisions. You're, uh, you really, what's, you really begin to know what's best in given situations and there becomes to be more of a stability and a real confidence to your life. It makes, it makes a huge, huge difference. So how do you grow in developing that framework is what I want to take a look at. There's Paul, Paul told Timothy in the last letter that we have from Paul, uh, which is the book of Second Timothy in the New Testament. One thing Paul told Timothy, he, he said this. He said, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of. Continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of. And so we're going to, this morning, I want to look at those three. Th- there's three things that you can pull out. To develop our framework of truth, you really have to learn. And you really have to be convinced. And then you have to continue. So we'll look at each of those uh, this morning. Now, you have to learn. You have to learn. You really have to be a teachable learner. You have to, you have to be teachable. Now, that, that word teachable, there's a lot of ways you could probably define that. But I think a, a real valid uh, definition of teachable would just be a desire that the things you're convinced about would line up with the way life actually works. That, that the things that, that you're convinced about would line up with the way the life really works. You're just a desire that that would happen because you know, um, you know, life is going to go much better for you if you can actually line up with how things really work. And so that desire is what drives you to really learn and to really learn from God. Now, one thing is true is you really can't meditate on something you don't know, or at least you don't know very well. You really can't meditate on it. Like if some of these Star Wars, the Star Wars folks had never seen a Star Wars movie, and they were trying to figure this out, they'd probably still make a video. <laughs> and you go, well, I think it's this. You go, you, have you seen the movie? No, no, that's, that's Captain Kirk. You're, you're in the wrong thing. <laughs> but, you know, when you, uh, you really, they really, they couldn't evaluate the new trailer. They couldn't figure anything out if they'd never seen any of the movies. 
the more you know about something, the more you can meditate on it. The more you know about something, the more you can really think about it. And so what we need to be doing is taking the Word of God into our lives in, any, in, in every way we can. Uh, you know, we, we hear it. We want to get into places where we can really hear it. Get into places where we read it. And then uh, and really study it and look and see what it says. And then also the, a key part of, mem- of meditating is really just memorizing. Memorizing some key things from the Scripture and then really thinking about that as you go along. In fact, the Scripture memory is a key component of being able to meditate and chew on God's Word until it actually becomes a part of you and becomes part of the way you think. Um, just like a Geico commercial, you know. Uh, it really, it's, it's a very similar dynamic. You begin to repeat things in your mind over and over, begin to process them through, and it begins to shape and change what you believe and what you do. Now, uh, and what, when you, when you memorize the scripture, what, one thing it does is it, it puts God's words in your mouth so that you can really chew on them. It gets them to a place where you can really chew on them. So it's like no matter where you are, it could be, uh, you could be driving down the road, you could be, you could be uh, getting into bed at night. You could be walking down the street. Uh, you could uh, just be relating, relating to someone. But those, those words are right there with you, and you're thinking about them as you live your life. And I, I want to give you just, just a quick, just a picture of what that, of what that could look like. Um, there were uh, a few years ago, in my quiet time, there was a verse that really stood out to me, a verse that I, I knew that, that God was, there were some things that in my, in my time with God, it, it just really stood out to me. And I thought, there's more here than I'm seeing. And this is really a crucial verse for me, I think. And so I, what I did is I, I wrote it down and I committed it to memory so I could think about it. And it's uh, Isaiah 58, 10, and 11. And I'll read it for you. If you. And if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail and you, there's a connect, you see a connection when God is like that for you like a spring of water if you connect to him you actually can be like that to other people you kind of push that along uh, pass that along to them a couple of some initial thoughts as I, as I read this and as I first memorized it was I had always had this thought in my head that if, before I could help somebody, uh, that I had to kind of know a lot of stuff. And I kind of like, I had this picture of a, I'm a flood control engineer, so you have to deal with flood control analogies. But I saw myself as kind of a, like a reservoir, and I needed to fill that reservoir up enough before I could really help somebody. And then when I saw this verse, one of the things that struck me was that, that I'm not the reservoir, God is. God's the reservoir. All he wants me to do is just to connect to someone and if I'm connected with him and I connect with them, then I can help them get connected to him. And God's resources pour into my life and then those pour into other people's lives. It was just a fundamental shift of, of really what I thought was happening. It made, it made, it just made a huge difference in the way that I, I saw things. And then, then, you know, I, I, like I said, I carried that around and I just began to just, it was just a verse every once in a while I would just pull out and I would just think about it. And, one day I was driving to work, and I want to show you this up on the screen. This is, uh, my building is like right there going to downtown LA, and this is actually not that bad of a day. 
you know, I, I tried it on Google Maps. This is just the only image they had. But usually it looks about four times worse than that. And what happens is there's like seven lanes of traffic. And they're coming from three different locations. People are coming into this place. And what what happens in the moment when you're here is that guy needs to get over there. And that guy, he needs to get over there and take that next exit. Then this guy, he's going to go over here and he's going to realize that was the wrong lane. Then he's going to go back over there. And you have some guys who just like freak out. They're like, I can't stand the pressure. And then they're stopping. You go, what were you stopping? We can't stop. It's a freeway. And there's just all kinds of stuff happening. And, but here, here's what's different about me and my experience of this. This lane right here goes right to my office. It changes. I take two or three off ramps, but I never have to get out of that lane. Uh, in fact, as I, as you round the corner getting onto this location where the picture is, it's the lane I get in on the other freeway. I never have to get out of that lane. I just stay on that lane and I go all the way to work. So of all the angst that's out there, I'm not one of, I'm, I don't have a lot of angst except, you know, looking out for what's coming at me. And that happens quite often. So this is, obviously this is downtown Los Angeles. And so one morning I'm, I'm driving down there and I'm looking and I, and I was thinking of this verse and, and I, I looked there and I realized, you know, this is really a lot like life. You just have a lot of people that are trying to figure out what it is they're doing and where they need to go. They're driving down the road and they, uh, they think they need to be over there. So they like whip across and they're causing damage, causing scared feelings. They get over there and realize that's not where we need to be. I need to be over here. And they, people are just, they're, wherever they're at, they think they need to be somewhere else. And they're trying to figure things out. And, and I, as, I, as I said, I was thinking of this verse, and I was thinking, you know, how do you help people? And I thought, well, how can I help people here? And this is all like all going into my head. And I'm, I'm not like this. I'm not like a real strong critical thinker, just so you know. But all this is kind of revolving in my head, and I've been thinking about this verse. And I thought, you know what I could do? I know where I'm going. I could actually not be in the fray. I could actually back off. I could back off, and I could leave space in front of my car. That way people would have the freedom to come through my lane. They could come into my lane and stay in my lane. They could go through my lane to get where they need to go. And I could actually be part of a solution and not part of a problem. I, well, there's an idea. I've only been doing this for 10 years, and I've been part of the problem the entire time. So as I'm, as I'm going down the road, I thought, I'm going to start. So a few days, I said, I'm going I'm to leave about 150 feet between me and the car in front of me. And a lot of people's lives begin to change around me because some guy goes, I got to go over there. Oh, thank you. And they come on through and people were over the pass in front of me. And, and, uh, and then, so kind of bring this to a, to a head. Jeep, this is great. We like to hear about traffic, but, but kind of, kind of bring this to a head. What dawned on me was that the reason I was able to do that, the reason I was able to make space for people is because I knew where I was going and I knew I was on the right path. And I, and so I thought, you know, that's how, that's really the, that's really the, the secret to allowing space for people in your life is that when you know that you're in the right path and you know where you're headed. And that's what having this right framework of truth, this right framework of, of what's really going on in the world and what you need to do in your next step, that's where that really, that really lines up. And that, that truth you know, I, I have applied that truth in many, many different ways. You know, just different people, like people at work. 
I've applied that in, with my family. I've applied that with, with ministry. You know, it's just like, well, if I allow space, well, then I'm not sure how it's going to, well, you know what? I know I'm going the right direction. And, and, I, and I have this sense of I know where the next step is. And it allows me to let people into my life. And I become more, more and more convinced that that's really true. And it really does change the way that I, that I approach different situations. Now, so you, you have to be a learner, take word, the word in and really think about it. And then you have to be convinced. That's the next thing is just you have to be convinced. Now, you can be convinced of the wrong things. Uh, I know I have. In fact, I may right now. I'm sure there's many things in my life where I'm convinced of the wrong things. Now, a lot of times our framework of what we think is true is based on what we feel is true. It's really easy to get into like, well, I feel very strongly that this is true. But when in fact, it actually is not true. Uh, kind of like the Geico commercial. You know, I feel very strongly I could save money, but actually I might not. Uh, I'd have to find out what's really true. And then, you know, by memorizing and meditating on the scripture, it really saves you from a lot of bad results in your life and from really going with your feelings and uh, having a lot, a lot better uh, perspective on what to do. So I just got a couple of like three quick scenarios to kind of like just illustrate how this might play out. Uh, <clears throat> if you got in the habit of memorizing some things that God was teaching you and, and then really thinking and, and uh, meditating on it. You know, it might be, as you look at the path that's coming up in front of you, there might be something going on in your life where someone's made you angry and you feel like, you know what, I need to just vent and tell them off. That's what I need to do. I need to really just let them know. That's going to make me feel better. That's what I really need to do. But you had been, you had memorized and you'd been really stewing and, and really thinking and chewing on a Proverbs twenty one twenty three. And Proverbs 21, 23 says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. And so in the moment, you decide not to go with what you feel. You decide to go with what with what God says is true. And then what happens is that truth, you, you begin to see that that truth really protects you. It protects you from the anger and resentment that comes from someone being harshly treated and the way they respond back to you. And then there's a lot of troubles that just come from the aftermath of venting on someone that you just, you realize I've been protected from that. And then you begin, you, you have positive relationships. You, someone you maybe you're frustrated with right now. And then over time you begin to see, I have a positive relationship with them and you learn better ways to actually communicate what you're concerned about, what you're frustrated with. And so over time you, you say, you know what, actually that is the way life works. And it makes, it makes a huge difference. You know, maybe you're at work, maybe at, at work, uh, maybe you feel like you have an unreasonable boss and, you know, uh, you don't really agree with the decision that he's making. And you feel like that what you ought to do, you feel like, like what's true is you need to just rebel. You know, it's, it's a, it's the, the, uh, the Boston Tea Party all over again. It's like, I just need to rebel and tell them what I think and, and I'm going to, uh, just, you know, just kind of let them know that they're off track. But you'd, you'd memorize and you'd been really kind of chewing on uh, First Peter chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. It just says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows while suffering unjustly. And so instead of what you were feeling like, you do, so instead of saying something like, oh, I don't think we should do that, and here's why. 
You say something more like, well, whatever you decide, I'll support. However, I, I do have a couple of concerns. And could I share those with you? And you, you take a completely different tact. Now, when you do that, what you do, what you did is you decided that you're going to take the question, will I follow off the table to where they know it? And you're like, I'm going, I'm going to follow you. And then in your boss's eyes, you know, you're not, they don't see you as an obstacle to getting done what they need to get done. They actually see you as a part of the team who actually is going to actually try to make things happen. And here's some possible outcomes of a situation like that. If you were to approach it that way, you know, it could be that your concerns actually weren't the drivers in the situation and that actually was the right decision. That, that could actually be what happens. And if that were to happen, well, you've just been protected from someone being really angry with you for not following along because you actually just didn't understand everything that maybe he knows. So you're really protected from that. It could be, it could be come apparent over time that you were right, uh, that your concerns were the drivers in the situation and it didn't turn out the way that it should. Then your boss, one thing that could happen is your boss could just begin to put greater value on your input. They go, you know what? He was right. She was right. And over time, they begin to say, you know what? When they say something, I'm going to listen more. And you become more valued. Or it could be that maybe someone would watch and they'd be drawn to the reality of God as they observe you relying on God in the midst of a very hard situation where you're following someone that that made, made, a, made the wrong decision. And you could be really honored. So there's, there's, those are some things that could flow out of approaching it that way. However, if, if you had a rebellious spirit and you just said, hey, I don't agree, and here's six reasons why, then you're just viewed as an obstacle, and it actually becomes a problem in your own life and your own, maybe your own career path. But there's just, it's just, a, 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 by following what God says, it just changes how things turn out. And then, you know, maybe, maybe you feel, you know, as you look at the path in front of you, you see, think of where you're at. Maybe you feel like you've really just messed up too much this time. You know, God, God's just probably really frustrated with me. And, you know, I just, I've just messed up too much this time. And you feel like giving up. You feel like that's true and you feel like giving up. But you'd, you'd memorize and you've been really thinking and really stewing on Isaiah 54.10, which just says, For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you. And my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. And you get greatly encouraged by knowing that that's true and that he's never going to let go of you. And it changes the way you view how reality really works and what's really true and what's really going on. And what happens over time is you begin to do that. Your delight in God and your delight in his word begins to just grow. And you get more into it because you know there's more there. And it begins to really impact and change your life. And so you have to, you have to learn you have to be convinced, and you have to continue, continue in the things you've learned and been convinced of. If you go back, you know, if you look back at Psalm 1, it says, He will be like a tree planted by streams of water. He'll be like a tree planted by streams of water. You know, really, the picture that he's, that he's painting is that God's Word is like a continuous flow through your life. There's a continuous flow of God's, of His, of His Word going through your life. It's not a one-time thing. It's not just a once-in-a-while thing. It's really a way of living life. It's really a way of living life. So what I, I guess just a few suggestions as I, as I wrap up this morning. I just got a few suggestions 
of how this could play out, like some things you could decide to do, suggestions for staying planted by the stream. Just suggestions for being staying planted by the stream. And you probably will find in here, there will probably be some next steps that you would find in this. Uh, and so I just encourage you just to listen through this. Um, one is, is just develop a habit of meeting each day with God in the scriptures where you're just taking in his word and listening to him. And I guess the next, the next step is just to listen. So develop a habit of meeting with God each day. Second thing is just to listen and watch for something that God is highlighting to you that you really need to pay attention to. Something that he really wants to teach you. And then memorize a verse or two that capture uh, what God seems to be teaching you. And so there's a lot, you know, uh, for memorizing, uh, it could be, there's apps you can download that, that kind of work you through that. You can write it on a card. That's what I do is like write on cards that I carry around with me. But I'm very analog. And so, you know, there's a, there's a lot better ways to do these things. But But find that way that really works for you to really just memorize what you think that God has really highlighted to you. This might, maybe it's like once a week as you're spending time with him. Once a week, there's something that God really highlights to you. Um, and then meditate on that verse. Carry it around with you. Meditate on that verse, thinking about it as you just, as you just interact with your life. And just ask for God to show you really what it is. What, what are the things he wants you to really learn from that? And then act on it. Act on it. Put it into practice. And then watch and see how it all turns out. Watch and see how it turns out. And just evaluate that. And so you want to develop a habit of meeting with God daily in his word. Listen. Memorize a key verse that he's bringing to mind. Meditate on it as you interact with life. Act on it. And then see how it all turns out. You know, as you do that, you're going to become much more convinced. And as you continue doing that, your frame of reference for what's really going on in the world and how life really works will completely change. And you will become the kind of person that actually is a lot like Jesus because he had the perfect frame of what's really going on in the world. Now, there are, you know, there's decisions that you can make in life that uh, completely change the trajectory of your life. This is one of those. You know, if you, if you and I were to decide that we're going to pursue God in his word in the way I just described and with memorization and meditation, then our lives will just completely change. And so I just, I just strongly encourage each one of us to do just that today. So with that, I'd like to ask the band uh, to go ahead and come back up. And uh, if you haven't finished filling out your connection card, you can uh, go ahead and uh, do that now and drop it in the offering bucket when it comes by. And I'm going to pray for us when we get, go back to worship. Dear God, Father, i just uh, just so grateful to you that your word um, is available. And God, that you are you and that you care about us. And God, I just pray that each one of us would pursue you this week and take steps, Father, just to uh, really think on your word and really put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen.